Hi everyone, welcome to How Music Charts, where we pull back the curtain on today's music business, exploring music industry trends, music data, and the creativity that helps your favorite artists hit the charts. I'm your co-host Jason, and you'll hear from our other co-host Rucker soon. This podcast is owned and operated by Chartmetric, a music data company that connects numbers to narratives to help the music industry leverage the power of data analytics. This is a live recording you are listening to. You are now sitting with us in upstate New York at the Washington Irving Inn. Most of the Chartmetric team is here with you today. And this 1890s era Victorian style living room slash parlor where we're at our annual company retreat talking about where we are as a company and where we might go. So our guest today is none other than the founder and CEO of Chartmetric himself, Sung Cho. Before starting Chartmetric, Sung worked on Sales Cloud as the principal product manager at Oracle Corporation. Prior to that, he was the first employee slash engineer at the publicly traded gaming company Gameville, which has a market capitalization of $400 million, where he initiated mobile game development and eventually positioned the company as a leading mobile game developer. Sung graduated with a bachelor's degree of electrical engineering and computer science from Seoul National University and an MBA from UCLA Anderson School of Management. He enjoys posting ideas on his blog, sungmooncho.com, which has attracted more than 5 million views and is considered as one of the leading tech blogs in Korea. Sung has also invested in 10 startups in New York, Silicon Valley, and Seoul. You can find him at angel.co slash sung hyphen cho. Please welcome to the How Music Charts podcast, Sung Cho. Thank you, thank you. Thank you, Jason. Did we get the LinkedIn profile right, Sung? Yes, I think so, yes. <laughs> cool. So today's podcast is different because we're talking about the very company that owns and operates this podcast. So specifically, we'd like to focus on the company's origins. Mm-hmm. In one way, it's about you as an individual moving up from a multinational computer technology company into the startup life, which is a very different life, of course. It's also at the same time about the company's birth itself. Can you tell us what the last year of your professional life was like when you were with Oracle? Yes, let's begin from there. Uh, the last year at Oracle, that's about five years into the company. Uh, when I started this, comp- uh, when I started uh, at this job, uh, it was on the Java technology or Java platform side. In the last year, uh, my role was more on the marketing side. Uh, Oracle was pushing very hard against uh, Salesforce.com, uh, like a competitor. It wasn't considered a competitor in the beginning, but that company grew so much so fast. So everyone at Oracle was feeling like there is this really shiny, new, and powerful competitor. How do we compete against them? And uh, my team, uh, more on the marketing and messaging side, we were trying to find out how to best deliver our value value propositions to the customers. Uh, Salesforce.com, they can do this. They claim that they are faster, they are better, they have higher performance, better architecture, they claim. But uh, our team's role was to analyze uh, whatever they claim and really see what's happening in there. And then we create our own um, stories and claims. So to do that, my job was, daily job was to go and look at... um, like and then read through their product updates um, and also go down to the product level, actually try the product and compare what the differences are, where uh, Oracle has uh, like apprehends. That was one thing. And, and also to do that, uh, we also created some 
YouTube videos or some one pagers. So it was, uh, yeah, like more, more on this side. So that's perfect. So that was yes. what's going on in the company. How about Sung Cho, the man, the human being? Yes. You are moving about this, you know, company with thousands of employees, all these huge things, you know, you're battling Salesforce. When you're alone with your thoughts, can you mm-hmm. transport yourself mentally back to that time? What was going through your mind at the time? Were you like, <laughs> ah, I'm ready to do something different? What was, what was going on? Um, every time when I got back home, every day, um, it was a very nice commute, actually. We lived only... 15 minutes bike ride from the company. So that was nice. But uh, commuting was so good, even with such a good commute. And we lived uh, near the river. It was beautiful. The backyard view was beautiful. Even with that, even we had this beautiful uh, young daughter. Every time when I, when I came back home, I felt completely exhausted. I didn't have any energy left. Not because the job was intense or hard, but because it was, it was the opposite. It was not challenging for me, not challenging enough. I felt like the, the pace was too slow. Uh, the work that I got involved, it was more on like, it was not so much about, okay, getting things done. Okay, one, two, three, A, B, C, we got this done instead of that. Very like last mile takes forever that approval process of like letters all the way uh, to the VP. So after having couple meeting, couple meetings like that, I go back home without any energy left and I hated that feeling. I wanted to, no matter, even if I, I had to work long hours, that was my like a previously, previous job at Gameville, I had to work long hours. It's a game company. Like, you know, you work 10 to 12 hours a day but uh, still, I had energy left, but uh, at, at this place, it was not like that. So that's when I knew that I should not uh, continue uh, to have like my work life like this. Mm. And one of the things that I always remind myself uh, was that, uh, that the famous Steve Jobs, Steve Jobs speech, uh, toward the end of his speech, he says, when you look at the mirror every day, when you feel like this is not the right thing to do, and if you keep repeating, saying, saying the same thing to you, then you have to move on and do something else. Um, you know, go find your passion. Uh, mm. So that uh, kept bugging me. You know, like I feel the same way. Should I still continue? And then at the end, um, I made a decision. Can I? So what I've read about yes. Korean professional life, mm-hmm. you know. It's very stressful for a lot of young students coming up through college, university. They try very hard for good grades. And in a lot of ways, the, the big corporation, LG, Samsung, Oracle for that matter, that mm-hmm. is like the pinnacle of professional success. Totally. How, how did that, I mean, how did that mix with your feelings? Did that, yeah. did you, was that like an internal conflict you had at all? Uh, not myself. Because you were there and a lot, a lot of people. My, you were. my parents were really proud when they visited me and Oracle has these like five, six beautiful buildings in Redwood Shores. When you drive 101, 101 up and down in the Bay Area, you see those buildings. Um, and there's this giant lake and beautiful like boat that has won, won the race that against, I think, New Zealand 
cup uh, the the uh, uh, yes the yacht um, so and I felt proud of myself my achievement uh, upon getting an MBA it was hard time to get a job it back in 2009 2009 so I was very proud of, proud of that uh, and uh, like yeah from the outside it seemed like a great job stable people stay there for 10 20 years um, so that was yeah that was my hesitation mm. you know, uh, if I go out and take the risk um, it's uh, what's going to happen to me mm. and if I am not successful on that and I have been like in general uh, have been successful in getting what I wanted to get and the job that I wanted to get in get um, but that failure uh, that fear of the failure uh, actually kept me longer than necessary like mm. now that I look back mm -hmm. there yeah but eventually yeah I had to say to myself that's it what helped you yes. get over that fear uh yeah the time clocking so one of the things uh is when you have kids then you become less risk taking and more risk averse is what people say and to some degree that is true uh, i was afraid of that as well but when actually when i actually had kids uh, it didn't necessarily work that way i didn't become a risk averse person because of the kids when i looked at my kids i had more urge to do something and to take risks um, before they get even older and what also one of the things that i kept uh, thinking uh, or reminding to myself was okay now that i have kids uh, uh, when i actually left i only had one kid back then now that i have a kid um, what story will i tell to my daughter later as a dad that's something i thought about uh, as well um hey you know like uh, your dad uh this is what i did i was an uh, your dad was an entrepreneur and or you i i you know i took the risk and i took the chance and achieved something tried something versus i kept staying there and kind of like moved along and 10 years passed and that's that was my story um, the, you know, between the two I think another influence was my own father who stayed in the same job for 30 years uh, he uh, was uh, like he was in, in Air Force he got in there and stayed in the Air Force uh, he had very very respectable like years there in the end he got this like uh, honorable you know awards and all of these and he was recognized by the government but uh, as a son when i think about my dad's life when i look at my dad huh very stable he has been uh very like royal to my mom and family all of these but when i look at his life growing up he seemed boring to me <laughs> ah i don't think that yeah like it's going to be my life i wanted to tell my kids my own son or daughters uh wanted to tell more stories 
some conflicts that happened or some risks that I took, uh, why I made those decisions. I wanted to talk about those things rather than I had a stable job and I continued and I uh, provided for you. Uh, so, okay, so that you can go to college. I have worked hard. That's honorable as well, of course, uh, but that was not. So that actually it gave me more urge uh, at that point that I, if I want to create those stories, if I want to do something, uh, it's always better to begin or start earlier. Yeah. So you knew you wanted to take the risk, but when did you first start having ideas uh, that chart metric would be that risk and what chart metric could be? Like what was your initial vision for the platform? Yes, uh, so uh, a lot of people uh, say that you only leave the company when you actually have a have an idea at least, or at least have a working proto prototype. And that's what I tried as well. And I, on the side, I, uh, I tried to create a working prototype, different idea, not this idea. Um, and I had an idea, but uh, I, I see a lot of my friends also to try to do that. You know, they some someday they want to start a business and then they try creating like a you know, meet meet at uh, meet, meet with other friends uh, at night or weekends and try something. Uh, if it's about trying to build a business that I haven't seen, maybe I saw only one case, one out of ninety nine or hundred that it actually worked. So that's what I saw from people around, and that's what I tried, and it, I, 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 I failed as well. I tried to do something on the side. So by the time when I left, uh, I didn't really have like a working prototype or anything or business, uh, business, not just an idea, like a business, like a write-up. Uh, mm -hmm. This is not my business plan. I didn't have them. Only had a idea, an idea. Uh, that was a completely different idea. Um, that was more on game plus education. My I had background in gaming. I knew how to make games, but I wanted to create games that benefit people. So uh, educational game. If you know uh, games like not not games but like apps like Lumosity or Elevate, it was that kind of braining tra brain training. Mm. <laughs> Yeah, brain training game uh, sounded uh, interesting to me and also helpful to people. So that was the, the initial idea. I left the company uh, thinking that I may start a company with this idea. So that was why the initial company name was something about the brain. <laughs> we have that uh, big brain lab. Yep. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, old name. So that was the initial idea. Got yeah. So how did you eventually end up at, first of all, in the music industry, and second of all, in music data analytics? Sure. Um, as, a, as a Korean, uh, the, the advancement of K-pop uh, was inspiring and interesting to me. So always thought about so that. What, what year was this around the time? That was 2015. Okay. 15. So... Uh, Gangnam Style uh, has hit the nation, hit the world <laughs> prior to that. Like, and uh, yeah, like uh, as a Korean living in the States, uh, when people, 
people know about Samsung, LG, or Hyundai, Kia, these cars, but uh, not necessarily that like there, there are some like electric, uh, electronic, electronic brands, but when it comes to culture, when people recognize the culture as well, either food or music or movies, that feels quite different. So when I saw that, uh, I vaguely thought that I wanted to contribute to this. Okay, K-pop is becoming more popular. Is there any way that I can contribute to this? So that was very initial beginning, something around K-pop. With that idea, uh, so the previous idea, that uh, educational app or games, that idea uh, I dropped um, only after like two, three months, actually, after learning how difficult market it was. Uh, it seemed like there was money, there is a market, but when I actually think about, when I actually tried and did some research, uh, it, this app called app, app any that actually helped app any, a friend of mine working at Amazon, he had this enterprise account and I shared this idea with this friend and he said, uh, you know what? Let me show you something from app any now go look at this, look at this. Here you can see uh, how much revenues each app is making every day. You can see all of these and see those educational games. Um, Compared to the real games, (laughs) it's only one tenth or one like one twentieth, much, much smaller. Uh, What he said was people, yes, like that idea itself is great, noble, educational, you know, like combining education and games uh, and playing games to get smarter. That idea is good. But uh, when, when it comes to reality, uh, people either want to just study or want to just play a game or watch movies. <laughs> combining the two is hard. That market is much smaller. So that's when I realized after looking at some numbers, um, I dropped that idea. And then I was thinking something about K-pop. Uh, the actual event happened when I joined an accelerator program called Spark Labs. Uh, it, during that program, uh, there was there was this uh, advisor, uh, basically who came and pitched that idea to me, this music analytics idea to mm-hmm. me. So mm-hmm. actually, it was not my original idea. Uh, I heard heard about the idea idea, but I I was struggling actually with the previous idea um, because. When you begin a company, you have to be prepared to suffer. It will be hard for the next five to 10 years. So if it's going to be hard, at least if it's something I feel fun or if if it's something I'm good at, it will be less difficult. That's what I thought. So I was searching for, looking for an idea uh, that I can stick to for the next 10 years, at least, uh, at least. Um, and that was the, like, when I heard about the idea, like data, data and music, the combination, um, yeah, that was something I, I liked, I I enjoyed and felt like I could work on this idea for a while. Mm -hmm. And another, uh, reference to that was the, the app that I saw, the app, any, uh, I I thought it was amazing that app uh, that idea that uh, that what the technology that they have invented and created was uh, very useful to people. I could see that 
So yeah, along that line, uh, this idea came up. Mm. All right. So for many tech companies, actually for anyone, the music industry is incredibly complicated. Got all these, it's very fractured. You got all these different, you know, copyrights. Why did you decide to move forward in the music industry? Yes, uh, the previous industry I was in uh, was also in the entertainment entertainment uh, side, the gaming. Gaming and music, um, they're not the same, uh, but still part of the, the entertainment. One thing that attracted me about music was the topic itself is fun. So when I think about becoming an entrepreneur, and I thought about telling the story to my daughters, as I, as I said, uh, hey, dad, uh, what was your job? What did you work on? And I say, data analytics. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I analyze all the beer consumption in the world. <laughs> well, I can say, uh, what is it? Uh, all the like, you know, Alaska pipelines, the gas pipeline analysis. Uh, how, how, like, uh, how, how many square miles does it take to get there? That's one thing, one thing that I can work on. And um, yeah, it's, it's a great, great thing to do. Like, you know, very, very like engineering uh, intense thing. But uh, just when it comes to the idea, uh, um, I thought uh, it'll be more fun, simply just more fun if I work on something that people can relate easily and better when I go uh, share my stories to anyone. And if I, like I am uh, a very much uh, like, extrovert, extrovert person, according to that MBTI test. So I do enjoy going to random parties and networking events and meeting new people and suddenly start the conversation. I do enjoy all of these. And um, one challenge that I had when I was at Oracle was I go to these parties and meet new people and hey, like, hey, well, welcome and uh, good to meet you. So what do you do? And I tell my story. Oh, there is this product called Sales Cloud at Oracle, and I'm working on product marketing something, and then Salesforce.com. Then, then I lose all of them. Then ah ah okay. So music was sexy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that was kind of like one of the things. Oh, music. Uh, anyone can relate to, and this is a fun topic, fun to me as well. Um, but Challenges, yes, there were challenges. Uh, first of all, the market itself, it's much more difficult to get venture capital funding. Hmm. That was one challenge when I tried to start a company. Another challenge was it, was, it wasn't seen as like a billion dollar opportunity to investors. So when I every time when I go and pitch uh, to investors, they're like, Ah, interesting idea, fun idea. I see that there is a market. So what is your total addressable market? Hmm. Uh, how big is it going to be? Is it going to give me a billion dollar return? They are looking for these home runs. Um, that part was challenging. I think it's still, it, it's, it's a lot better than before. I think uh, the music industry has evolved a lot. Uh, the, the market is much bigger now, and there are acquisitions and investments happening here and there, um, and music, uh, the song rights became an, like sort of like an asset class. 
So a lot has, cha has changed, but um, yeah, still there were challenges. But, but again, uh, as I said, regardless of those challenges, whatever those are, um, I want if there is uh, the success. I thought the success rate will be higher. Uh, still, if I work on something that I, you know, feel passionate about and something that that's fun to me, then I can work on that same idea for a longer period period of time. Then I can either beat existing competition or upcoming competitions. So yeah, once you had the platform. How did the music industry respond to it? Like when you were showing it to music industry executives or just people in the music industry, were they like, oh yeah, we totally need this? Or were they like, why do we need this? Great question. Uh, I, that first opportunity for me uh, was uh, South by Southwest back in 2016, actually. 2016, South by Southwest. I took, that, took my laptop there with that prototype um, and pretty much like my goal was to show this to as many people as possible and South by Southwest when you go there uh, people are open-minded they are willing to uh, see your product but there was this particular session that I that was most useful to me which was the mentoring mentor sessions where uh, the sort of like uh, industry leaders or mentors, they sit uh, on tables. There are 10 to 15 tables. They sit there and they spend 10 minutes with mentees, uh, whoever signed up for that mentoring session. So I signed up or I didn't even sign up, but I, I just uh, like waited there. And whoever has no shows, the mentees, they do not show up. They are busy drinking somewhere else or talking to or attending con other conferences. Then I wait there and quickly look up those mentors' profile right at the door. And if there is any empty seat, then I ask the organizer, can I take that seat? Uh, that way, I was able to meet many, many uh, of these insiders, industry insiders, for free without having to schedule ahead um, without having to go and back for their time, uh, their job was to sit there and listen. They got the free ticket <laughs> to do that. <laughs> uh, uh, so it was great time to get that feedback. So that was the first major uh, session for me to really share that idea. Uh, the, res uh, the response was mixed. Mm. Some people, I think mo most people... Uh, they try to be nice to any entrepreneurs. Uh, they know that it's a tough job. So uh, most of them are uh, like nice and then they try to encourage me. And many people mentioned uh, this product, Next Big Sound. Uh, we've been using Next Big Sound already. This looks similar. Or I don't like some people say, yeah, like if you can add this different feature, then it can be useful. Uh, or some other people said, we got it uh, solved already. Next big, next big sound is serving us well. Why do we need something else? Um, or some people, one person I remember um, said, uh, uh, like uh, he was a an executive for quite senior. Uh, he had a quite senior position at one of those big three labels, mm. and he was pretty much like, we have an in, an in house solution already. 
we don't need anything like this. Very much, pretty much dismissed the idea uh, mm. on the spot. So that was, of course, discouraging uh, when somebody like a real insider says that. You know, that person seemed like when I look at the job title, uh, something about marketing and strategy or digital something. So that is the person that I have to really go after that uh, the core, the real customer uh, dismissed uh, the product idea. That discouraged me, but at the same time also made me, it, it challenged me at the same time. All right, someday I'm going to come back to you <laughs> or I, I'll get back to this, this table here and we'll show or prove that we actually created something meaningful and useful uh, for, for your case. So yeah, that was the feedback I got. Do you remember, this is a side note, yes. but do you remember someone named Christian Fresco at Universal Records? He also managed Pearl Jam. He was mm. at that, he was one of your, the people that you met at South by Southwest in 2016. Oh, he says? Yeah. Oh, I, I talked to him just recently and he says he remembered oh, really? it and he said wow. he, he was a big wow. fan of Sharp Magic even at that time. <laughs> so he sends his regards. <laughs> Thank you. <clears throat> so tell us about the first hire you made at Sharp Magic. Uh, in the beginning, uh, I began with a couple, like that uh, accelerator program was in Korea. So I found a couple of engineers in Korea to build a prototype together. And I got quite involved in this process uh, as well. Um, but the real first hire after I came back, after the, that incubator program, uh, the accelerator program, um, I got this free office space in Palo Alto. A friend of mine who was a uh, vice president of a venture capital firm, they had this super big and nice office space right at uh, University Avenue, downtown Palo Alto. Probably the rent was $25,000 per month or something, like wow. quite nice <laughs> office space they had. Uh, but they had... Uh, a ping pong table there, and then like, you know, like a couple desks, and uh, and and my friend offered, oh, you know, actually, uh, why don't you? Yeah, like I know that, uh, like you just you just started a company, and um, he uh, like, you know, kindly offered me that space. Uh, so that's where I tried to find my first hire, posted a, a job on AngelList. And this guy, uh, Warren Lee, uh, he found uh, that uh, posting and he, uh, he, was a, he just graduated, for, graduated from Stanford master's program. Uh, that was uh, like a music and acoustics and like, like some information system major, uh, was working at another startup. Uh, he found this idea, this company, and he came by, dropped by that office. Um, he liked that lo location a lot because <laughs> it was a bike ride from his Mountain View home. Mm. Yeah. And um, yeah, it was two of us since then. He, he joined. Uh, he, he really liked that idea. And when I shared, he asked me questions uh, of why, why did, you, did you start this company? What do you want to do with this? After having that session, he, yeah, he thought it was a promising one. So he joined right away. Uh, that was the first hire. Uh, it's funny. 
you told me that there, your lunches over there at that new office was really funny. Sometimes they'd order a big lunch, and sometimes you guys would <laughs> find some leftovers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we never had it, had it enough money, of course, in the beginning. And these are they had raised big fund, so they had. I think they they they're like uh, right now they are doing really well. One of the investment they made, very early investment they made was Oculus. Oculus. So Oculus got sold to Facebook. That was a big return for them. So I think they were doing well um, and they are very smart people. Uh, so they could afford some quite nice lunches. But Warren and myself, uh, we were always like, how do we solve this problem? <laughs> Lunch problem was a big deal. Uh, but yeah, when they have like you know ordered some nice lunches, then we you know like see check if uh, if the food is too much for them. <laughs> <laughs> then sometimes they invited us to join the table. <laughs> yeah, very nice people actually. So yeah, that that helped a lot. Um, yeah, <laughs> so to lower the cost. <laughs> yes. So your first goal, what's your first yes. goal? It's you and Warren in this nice office. What's your first goal as, as a founder and CEO? The first goal was to create a, of course, working product. Uh, but it's, you know, like people say minimum viable product, MVP the whole time. But what is really like the MVP? What is the minimum viable thing? Uh, it's very subject subjective. Uh, it's up to like, you know, people... So for me, uh, I had my own rough idea of like if we had this data or that data, if we could solve this problem at least, then uh, that may be an MVP. So back then, the first, uh, like one of the feedback I got from South by Southwest was the Spotify playlist analytics. That's something people said a lot uh, during that event. Um, can you track uh, what's happening to this, this Spotify playlist? It's becoming more and more popular and becoming more important in marketing strategy. So that was one thing. Plus, if we had maybe like 50k artists, 50,000 artists in our database, then maybe it will be it's usable. So a couple of these rough goals Spotify playlists um, knocked down, and then also, uh, yeah, roughly 50,000 artists. Then uh, we create some like working UI. Then people may, yeah, even though Next Big Sound was there, some other competitors, the, the product competitive products were there already. But if we have that unique angle, if we do one or two things really well, then people may find reasons to sign up. So that was the first goal. So you've got your product up and available for the public. Did you have, you know, outside of Warren, who was, you know, part of the company at that point, did you have like kind of friendly advisors who were just kind of giving you outside advice to you as like a, a new music data company? Yes, yes. I have a couple of advisors back then. Uh, that person who gave that idea uh, was... Uh, yeah, he that that uh, person's name is Bernie Cho. <laughs> you guys know, mm -hmm. uh, and then he appeared on our podcast as well. 
Um, can, you, can you just briefly introduce Bernie real quick? Bernie uh, has been an artist manager himself. He uh, was in that music industry for more than 16 years, and he managed the digital distribution side, YouTube, Spotify, Apple Music. So he was sort of like a target customer for me. That he, as a customer, he had these, these needs, this idea. Uh, he needed that tool. So... Um, yeah, so that was perfect. Um, and after that, um, yeah, someone named, starting with C, Chaz, reached <laughs> out to me when we had only a prototype, only like 80 people signed up for beta. Uh, someone named Chaz uh, just emailed me directly. Hey, I saw this product looking interesting. Um this is my background. I have a couple like feedback or just uh, like, I thought it was uh, like, you know, cool. So I checked out that LinkedIn profile right away. Uh, Chess Jenkins <laughs> living in, you know, in like somewhere in London and ex-VP of uh, strategy, marketing, international strategy at University Music Group. So I replied right away. Wow, you know, like you are, you, I'm, I, yeah, you should know what we are building and uh, you should, uh, and then I thought, like, this is too good to be true. Someone like Chaz uh, reached out first and, and I had a chat, a video conference call, uh, and quickly I realized that he was not only just a marketing uh, person, but he was very savvy, digitally very savvy already. He used and tried all the other tools already. So that was perfect. Hmm. More than anything else, even if he tried all the other tools, he was still not satisfied in any one of these. He was like, oh yeah, I've tried you know, everything existing, but still, they don't solve my problem yet. Hmm. Um, I still need something else. So. Yeah, that was uh, the, yeah, that was, uh, and then I invited him to become our advisor, and that was the beginning. Friend on the side now in Chess, I think one of his, uh, one of his dots on his resume is, I think he was the first person to do a live music YouTube live stream with the London Symphony Orchestra. That was one of his cool little things that mm. he did. Says something about who, what he was doing at the time. Who was Chartmetrics' first paying customer, and is there any kind of interesting story about that? Yeah, um, so that was about one and a half years since I started uh, started this company, and uh, I felt huge pressure because uh, we were running out of the first angel investment uh, that fund, and uh, I could go out and ask for more money, but I really wanted to just for myself as well, wanted to see if this product is worth paying for. Um, so that was around Christmas time, um, Christmas up to New Year. The goal was to launch and come out of beta in January. So that Christmas of 2000, 2016, actually, December of 2016, uh, was not like Thanksgiving or Christmas time for us, um, it was perfect. Everyone was like, you know, went, everyone went for vacation. It was going slow, but uh, Warren and I uh, 
really focused on uh, building that uh, to launch uh, the next month. So we worked on that, and in January, finally, after putting that uh, like credit card payment module uh, with Stripe, um, we launched that and emailed to customers. Uh, it used to be, you know, we are coming out of beta, but we had only like 100 people who signed up. <laughs> was that want, just from, they're from just searching for something? Searching, and they, mostly, really? actually, yeah, yeah. Like uh -huh. uh, Google search, those Google search engine optimization. Uh, I used a couple specific keywords, nice. Spotify, Playlist Analytics. <laughs> of course. That worked. It's still a good keyword <laughs> yeah, still for us. So. <laughs> yeah. So that, uh, yeah, like uh, some people found out about us uh, from that. Also through like some contacts that I got from South by Southwest or some other conferences or some cold calling, uh, those people signed up. So emailed, we are coming out of beta, you know, I made it sound like a big deal as if we had thousands of like waiting lists. <laughs> hey, we are coming out of beta. So uh, now you have to pay. But only like, not everyone, but premium level. We, it will be still free, but there are a couple premium features such as email report. We will deliver those updates to your inbox or uh, to go further in timeline to more, more look, look at more historical data. A couple of these premium features, then you have to pay. The initial price was $95 per month or $950 per year. And this guy named Rene McLean, uh, working at uh, RPM Group, that person paid hmm. through a credit card, and it was $95. It was $950 payment, one year annual subscription. And I think I, Renee trusts the internet too much. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> yeah. He, I remember jumping up and down. This was like after grinding, after the hard work. And then more than anything, anything else, the self-doubt is the like hardest one. Mm -hmm. uh, with these competitors out there and something that we built, uh, is it really worth paying for? Really not sure. Uh, but this person paid not only that monthly, but yearly. And... I jumped up, up and down, uh, really happy. But um, and and then I, after the initial excite, excitement uh, died down, I thought maybe this was a mistake. <laughs> <laughs> maybe this guy, like, didn't intend to click that button. Just the autofill of the credit yeah. card. Yeah. Or maybe he only only wanted to do monthly subscription. But because we did annual subscription as the default, you know, like many many companies <laughs> ah. did that, did that annual, and then if you you have to switch to monthly, if you really really wanted the mm. monthly subscription, maybe he intended uh, monthly, but uh, like you know by mistake. So I was ready, I I was prepared to defund if that was a mistake, and reached out, um, hey, uh, like thank you so much. Uh, yeah, like, uh, thank you, thank you so much. And then I, I didn't try not, I, I tried not to sound desperate or <laughs> anything, <laughs> kind of stayed cool. Okay, uh, yeah, like, uh, yeah, respectfully uh, asked if he could uh, get on a phone call and just talk about why, what he saw in this product. 
Yeah, so I got on, got on a phone call, very nervous. Uh, the first customer, first time, first person who paid. And it turned out that he was, yeah, he actually intended, and he was a nice person. He was an, sort of an entrepreneur himself as well. Um, had an office in New York. Uh, small team, agency. Roughly 10 to 15 people agency. And he has been using this beta version for a while. And when he heard the news, uh, yeah, this is what he said to me. As an entrepreneur myself, uh, I know that uh, like, you know, like entrepreneurs or like startups are always cash hungry. So I thought it would, it would help you guys if I prepay wow. one year. That's a good guy. That's yeah, good guy. really, really, <laughs> really guy. nice person. That's something that I will always remember and think about how I can pay forward uh, since then. So yeah, he intended. And then when I had that first customer, that didn't happen repeatedly, by the way. That happened once. And all the other customers was just one or two person per day, monthly subscription or some people. Yeah, like very, very, it was very, very slow actually after that. But at least I had one customer who paid, prepaid for one year. Then I'm in debt. I have to pay back for by working hard for the next one year until this customer is satisfied for his $950 investment. Hmm. So that really changed the mood and also my motivation. Uh, yeah, this is something somebody paid for already. So really, I have to continue to develop and uh, add more features and make it better so that that person does not regret uh, about his investment. So as you're growing, obviously you have to hire more people. The team grows in order to be able to add those features. What internal hurdles uh, came about, and especially for like entrepreneurs who are listening, what internal hurdles come with you know, growing quickly and growing your team quickly, and how did you navigate those hurdles? Always a challenge, still a challenge, still. Uh, never will get easier. Uh, even when I ask some other like entrepreneurs whose company is much in much later stage, uh, it's, it's never easy. Uh, in those days, in the initial uh, first phase, for me, uh, really the focus was to find people who just find this like something that we create or something that we have or this this team, uh, someone who you know feels like this might be fun without thinking too much, without calculating too much. <laughs> okay, what's my expectation, you know, value if I join this company, not join this company, there's another offer. If somebody is calculating and thinking about that uh, for a while, that person doesn't even actually show up at the door from the beginning. Actually, someone, somebody looks at the company profile and then looks at this, uh, the team and then, yeah, like uh, worth the shot. That was the mindset, I think, initially that uh, like uh, what attracted uh, people, those type of mindsets we attracted uh, and those type of people came and joined and 
yeah, without that much thinking, yeah, that sounds fun. And then like, uh, seems like a learning opportunity for me. And uh, yeah, one of the things, uh, one of the lucky, lucky things about being in Silicon Valley was naturally uh, people who are attracted to startups, they lived in Silicon Valley already. They, or they were willing to move to Silicon Valley. So there is this branding, Silicon, Silicon Valley branding that, um, yeah, like, uh, like found those people uh, to some degree. I think it helped. Uh, I cannot really directly compare uh, with the experience of hiring in New York or other cities, but that's one thing I noticed. And when I compared to other companies in other cities, I think that, yeah, that helped. And how did your life as... CEO evolve from just being you and Warren to like, you know, leading this whole group of 20 plus people? Yeah, I, I don't think I wanted, um, yeah, that's one of, uh, one of the things that I have to continuously like think about, you know, I have to, uh, evolve myself, but at the same time, um, I didn't, I don't think I evolved that much at the same time. Uh, the product focus, that was the first, uh, um, that was me, see, like sort of like chief product officer. And still, that's my like job description, I feel like, I think. Uh, so it did evolve over time by being able to find people who are better at uh, some tasks, um, some jobs than myself. That was, of course, any entrepreneur's dream to be able to, able to find people that are better, better than, than themselves. So really that was uh, what I focused on. Can I, how can I find people who are better than me so that I can continue to work on things that I can be good at, uh, such as. So over time, I learned uh, how much I liked um, like building the product, uh, being obsessed with the product quality. That's something I still, after six years, still I enjoy. And also another thing that I learned was I wasn't sure, like there, there's this always self-doubt. Uh, are you good enough? Like, you know, as an entrepreneur, are you good enough to make it or become successful or build a company? Self-doubt. But when I think about that, I try to find uh, that uh, place or things that I am better at uh, and good at uh, and something that I can continue to develop, which I realized was that product uh, vision and uh, product leadership. So yeah, that's something I want to keep, frankly speaking, uh, going forward as well, like the product. Uh, and then also I constantly get inspired uh, by other products. There are so many beautiful products out there. Um, so when I uh, interface, when I actually encounter those well-made software or hardwares uh, like Tesla or cars as well, then it uh, gives me a new bar, new goal. Okay, I thought our product was beautiful, fast and great, but wow, this they have solved this problem or a similar problem even better, or there, there is this uh, another visualization that I saw from another product, then suddenly, like, oh, like, we have a lot of work to do still. 
So I've always wanted to ask you this song. I'm, <laughs> I'm glad that I just thought of it. <laughs> I've always admired companies that hire very good people. Whenever I go to a Trader Joe's, they're always very awesome people. They're always very nice. They're always very cool. Any, I've never run into a UPS person that I haven't liked. I, I'm not, I'm really telling you the mm. truth, and I know all my teammates are here mm. in front of me, but I, I really do like every single person in this room mm. and everyone that's part of this team that's not in this room. So I'm kind of curious, beyond the resumes, mm. beyond the schools that they've went to, beyond the job experiences they've had, mm. how have you managed to build a team that seems to get along with each other so well and seem mm. to be not only smart, but also just good people to work with? Yeah, one of the things that... Uh, what is it, the airplane test, you say? Uh, this coworker or this person that you're interviewing right now, imagine that you are stuck with that person for five hours on the airplane, <laughs> sitting next to each other. Which think, we were to get here. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Do you think you would enjoy that conversation for five hours? That's, uh, yeah, one of the things that you hear. That's something like, not yeah, like, that's something I think about, actually, when I do the interview. There's this brilliant person, let's say, for example. Brilliant person, really good at uh, what she or he is, you know, like has studied or he's been doing. And uh, when I have that chat, um, ah, <laughs> I'm not sure if I want to sit <laughs> next to this person for five, five hours. If I, there are a couple of candidates who I think I passed because of that test um, someone who is like you know passionate about music or engineering those things but uh, so yeah like maybe not anymore that test is not uh, the core thing anymore right now these days we need more specialists uh, as we continue to scale and grow but uh, at least initially that was a very key aspect so when I met Jason for example uh, and I had a couple chats. Yeah, I, I could see myself sitting next to him for five hours. <laughs> oh, well, yes. thank you, Sung. I didn't ask him to say that. <laughs> yes. Um, I think if I feel that way, uh, yeah, chances are others may find that person interesting. Not, not only at, uh, at work, at what they are doing, but also other things in life as well. Um, about cooking, about books or movies, uh, whatever they feel passionate about. If there are other, th other things to talk about, that's how you can have that uh, conversation. So yeah, I think that was probably so, it. Sort of related to that, I noticed that yes. your shirt says, only I can change my life. <laughs> but do you feel like um, the company or the people involved in the company have had a role in that as well in changing your life oh and changing my life yeah oh, or like not, that's just my to put it to yeah, put this, it another way this is not what i believe in i thought i was just like, <laughs> <black> colors. <laughs> to put it another why. way okay but have you learned yes. from from other your experiences with other with you know the people you're leaving? oh yeah yeah um so having so I don't know how to best put it, but uh, this team or this work, uh, the fact that I have this colleague, uh, colleagues or the team that I can uh, work on no matter what happens in my personal life, 
in personal life, there are stressful events uh, happening here and there. Um, at least my kids, the family was, has been healthy so far. But, you know, things happen around, uh, around you all the time. But uh, it really helps if you have something to, something you, you know, something you can stick to, like professional life can be one thing, or it can be anything else. If, you, if this team or company is not that thing, you may have something else. Um, or like uh, belief, religion, all of these, uh, it helps uh, for you to be grounded when there's a tornado or storm happening outside. And if everything is shaking up together, then it's, it's quite hard, like usually. Um, so for me, um, that was something that helped me so much. This team and this company, this product, um, it's something I can like, you know, Monday morning or something I can focus, I can, I can enjoy. Um, Monday morning, no matter what was going on, uh, when I like get to work Monday morning, that's when I switch and uh, get focused. I can, uh, I, something I enjoy, I enjoy working with the team, with, with you guys. So that not, you know, not necessarily like changed something, but really, really helped me and changed, uh, you know, like uh, the way I uh, deal with uh, stresses, other mm. stresses and issues. Yeah. Yeah. So we're obviously biased, mm. but I think we can say that Chartmetric is arguably the leader in music data analytics. So can you give listeners an idea of what to expect from the company and ultimately music data analytics as a whole in the coming years? Sure. Um, we have much data uh, that can tell the stories that uh, our users can make some important decisions based on. But uh, when it comes to the initial vision or um, still, I think we are quite far from there. So meaning, meaning, let's say, um, here's an artist, here's a song, the ultimate dream, uh, for data analytics, analytics company is to provide, um, predictions, um, what is going based on the journey so far, based on what's happening in the market. Uh, this is what will happen to this artist or to this track. Um, so I, why does it matter? Because in the end, uh, decision making is that everyday decision making we do is eventually based on what we think, uh, will happen in the future. Like if I make this, this decision, if I invest this much, then this artist will grow by this much. We always have that like gut feel, uh, in my mind. And we want, we try to make those those decisions uh, backed by the data. Uh, so how much can we provide uh, for that uh, decisions? I think that's the ultimate yardstick for us. Um, and uh, yeah, also um, another interesting thing that's happening is uh, music is becoming more and more prevalent uh, in your car, in your living room, in your bedroom, 
anywhere, Bluetooth speakers everywhere. It's uh, and then everyone has that uh, music sub one of those music subscription services these days. So quite easy to access the music, um, but at the same time, uh, music and other entertainment areas uh, interacting with with each other or brands working with the music, TV shows working with the music, games, uh, gaming industry working with the music. Uh, as, as it becomes more, like, it becomes easier to access music, uh, I think that uh, the interface with other uh, sectors, uh, that is also, the activity is increasing there. So how do we, um, yeah, stay focused and provide the right insights uh, for those uh, cases. That's another area to explore further. Let's open it up to the yeah. crowd. Um, if anyone's got any questions, just raise your hand and great. Uh, can you, Song, do you mind passing the mic over real sure. quick to Peter yeah, and then sure. Peter just introduce yourself real quick and ask your question. Uh, hey, so <laughs> I think I'm off camera. <laughs> um, probably one of the newest employees here. You know, I know there's a, a couple people in this room have been here since the beginning. Um, I've been here since June. <laughs> so, you know, I have a lot more, uh, there's a lot more mystery for me. And hearing your story about, you know, gathering investment at the beginning and then getting that first customer, I was curious what felt like more pressure to you? Was it more pressure when you were looking for the initial investment, trying to sell the product to someone who couldn't see it? Or was it when somebody was using the product already for a few months and now you had to get them to click buy, you know, had to actually enter their credit card? You know, where did you feel, you know, more pressure? Where did you feel, you know, more confident? Um, you know, how did, how, did, how did that feel for you, just personally? Yeah, thank you. I think the answer is the letter, uh, actually the customer part. So yeah, it's a, it's a huge pressure as well to persuade someone to invest in me. In the beginning, there's nothing to really show off. So they, those initial investors, they're really investing because of me without really knowing about this market or the company, especially angel investors, they invested based on that initial speech or very initial, very rough uh, vision. Um, that is a pressure uh, for sure. Um, but uh, for me, uh, actually customer, customers, persuading customers to pay for this service. Um, if I fail on that, and let's say that, you know, Renee McLean, uh, that person did not show up the next day, and let's say five days passed without anyone paying, no credit card transaction, <laughs> and like there was a like cheaper version as well, standard version that was uh, I think back then was only like forty dollars or sixty dollars, sixty dollars, yes. Um, uh, yeah, like that means that I. Really you call failed. Oracle again? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Take yes. me back. I had that backup plan always in my mind. If this fails, um, yeah, like, you know, my previous manager said, 
Always, you are welcome to come back. And, uh, <laughs> That's nice. Uh, yes, yes. <laughs> but didn't want to, you know, yeah. you yeah. never want to go back. Yeah. Uh, so that was, yeah, a pressure. Yeah, the bigger pressure yeah. for me. Thanks. Yeah, thank, thank you so much. Amaz amazing, fascinating story. Thank you so much again, Sang. So quick question. You started by saying you decided to move away from a very, you know, satisfying position at the big company because you felt you wanted to do something different, especially telling your family sometime in the future that, you know, you wanted to give it a chance and do something that's more satisfying to you on a personal level. So now five, six years in, how do you feel about that based on that, you know, early thoughts you had and early ambition goals? Yeah, thank you. Um, I'm very happy. Uh, the like, sh like right. Uh, I can answer right away. I'm very happy. I feel like I have those real life stories uh, that I feel very personal about. Um, uh, each and every person that I'm working with right now, and the customers that we met, or some early customers, and. Also, seeing how customers, uh, they're, they're advancing in their own career. I see that happening all the time. The people that I met uh, in, in the beginning, like six years ago, junior, digital, later, three, four years later, when I uh, discovered them or they, when they reached out, um, things have changed. So they either moved to bigger companies or they, their position got advanced. So including all of these, uh, I have um, much thing, many many things that I can look back and think about and like feel great about and feel happy about, and that is something that I another thing like more personal side uh, life. If you, that's one way to live life longer. So by becoming healthy, yes, you can live longer life, uh, healthy. 90 or 100 years. But uh, another way to live life longer is that you have more dynamic events in your life hmm. so that when you look back the last six years, it's not just blending, you know, blended, <laughs> everyday, same, repeat, check in, check out, check in, check out. Then your six years is, it feels like one, one day or 10 days. But uh, yeah, at least I can, I can feel that when I look back my six year journey, it feels like six years, at least. <laughs> at least. Oh yeah, that was worth, like these many events happened. And uh, like six years ago, like it was, there was nothing. Nothing was there. And I had only one person who I was working with. Uh, at least I can look back and appreciate. Um, and that is something that I saw from other entrepreneurs that I admire. Uh, one of the people that I admire uh, the most was, is Richard Branson. Mm -hmm. uh, when I, he's still very active. He's still writing books. I read uh, all his like, losing virginity, finding my virginity, all his virginity <laughs> series books. Great books, yeah. great books. And he is planning to write another book. Uh, he at the end of that uh, last book, he says, "If I'm still healthy, if I can still, you know, still, if I'm still active, I want to write my last book." at the age of 90, he says. <gasps> How do you dare to think about that? Uh, you have to really stay healthy and, and have to really actively got it, you know, like have to be involved 
Um, and yeah, like uh, when I look at his life, um, I don't know all the personal details, but I can tell that uh, that's a very, very rich life that uh, feels like you know, somebody who feel like who can who can be like uh, 300 years of worth of life, he, he, or maybe even more um, uh, already. So after going through this whole journey, Sung, do you think you'll ever do it again? Will you come up with like another idea, move on to another <laughs> company, or is this sort of like the one? <laughs> yeah, naturally that's something uh, people ask me, and also something I think about uh, a lot. Uh, yeah, one of the things that like entrepreneurs always think about from day one is to is the exit strategy. Someday. Um, some someone comes and uh, offers something and sell the company, or company becomes more successful, or a company can fail as well. So either way, uh, I have to look for another job. What you know after some some events like that happen. Um, uh, starting another one from the scratch, <laughs> probably not. <laughs> yeah, uh, probably. So there are entrepreneurs who really enjoy that part, the initial part so much. So after a couple of years, they actually want to leave desperately. They want to move on to something else, uh, give the company to others and then, like move on to something else. Uh, for me, the very, very initial beginning was... Uh, yeah, that was that was tough, and uh, like the uncertainty. Yeah, I uh, that was the, I think the toughest part, the uncertainty. So, if I discover, uh, if I run into an idea like that later, or I, if I have the team or people that I feel like no matter what we do, we are going to be successful. That may be one case, but uh, for now, not really. I feel like. Yeah, from the beginning, I wanted to work on an idea that I can, you know, have fun with for at least ten years. That was uh, the initial thought, and still, that's how I feel about this idea. Anyone yes. else? Yes. Good. Thank you. Um, so I have one more question, more focused on the product side. So you mentioned that um, our product is scaling up and adding more features every day. And you also mentioned about your first customer and their feedbacks. So I want to know nowadays uh, what is decide and uh, what is leading um, for creating new features. Um, what is leading the direction of that? And also, um, how can we really find those pain points nowadays? evolving with times um, from our customers? Pain points, pain points. Mm. Yes, yes. Yeah, great question. So initially, uh, customer feedback was really critical. That was everything. And something I think any new startups, uh, the biggest weapon for uh, entrepreneurs is the speed. That's the biggest weapon. Uh, I think that was the weapon for us as well. Uh, when... I, for example, Chaz gave me a bunch of ideas, list of things that he wished that the product had. In one week later, I get back to him. When he was a customer, before he was even an advisor, uh, he gave me these ideas and then I like got back to him one week later. Not 100% of them were in the product yet, but 80% of them were already like either fixed or that were added. So that speed, um, uh, came from customers' direct feedback. Uh, we are getting those feedback uh, still, but uh, these days, what is driving the product uh, is 
yeah, of course, we always listen to our customers, but uh, I think uh, I'm getting more inspired these days by other products, not necessarily in the music industry, in the music industry, in including um, uh, that those companies that have that are uh, that has evolved uh, a lot further, um, or those companies that existed for 20, 30 years, but still strong. They are those products. So that is quite fascinating to me, how they survived and they still stay competitive. And that's the type of product uh, that I wanted to build. So um, yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's, that, that, that's the inspiration. The pain points that our customers have still uh, yes, uh, like more better data, more accurate data, you know, like can I get this faster? And then also like ambiguity, uh, like ambiguity. Uh, this data, I don't know what it tells to me. I don't know how to use that. So those are the pain points, I think. Initially, it was too simple. So that was the pain point. Not much to look at. <laughs> now we have another different <laughs> challenges. There are too many to look at. So that is, has been uh, a pain point and that's something I think uh, many products go through that process, pass, um, and eventually uh, those successful products that remain long for a long time. You know, think about SurveyMonkey, for example. When you first, uh, like 10 years ago, like 80 years ago, that product has been like there for quite a long time. But still, when you think about SurveyMonkey or MailChimp, those products, when you think about that, still, it's not, those products are not complex. You sign up, one, two, three, boom. You know, you're already using the product. Or Slack, extremely simple, but Slack is extremely powerful software. They built this software for like how many people? Hundreds of engineers, top tier engineers built this for 10 years. So incredibly advanced technologies are in there, incredibly, complex, but as a user, it's a no-brainer. Anyone can just go into Slack and figure out things right away. Uh, so that is what I see uh, as, you know, as the products that uh, can sustain for tens of years. Uh, so um, yeah, um, I think we can find many other examples, the other examples that became more and more complex over time and alienated themselves away from customers. We know uh, those, we don't remember those anymore. They disappeared. But uh, yeah, that's, I think is the pain point, point right now that we need to solve. I think it's time for uh, our second happy hour of the day, I think. So Song, is there any kind of last words you want to leave to? Uh to our group here before we continue our retreat? As part of this, uh, yeah, program. So uh, just wanted to, again, uh, as I said, like uh, ups and downs, we all have that life ups and downs. We feel frustrated, uh, something that we are working on doesn't work. Uh, feel like, you know, we achieved something, then we get like a setback, uh, something else happens, external events happening. But uh, one thing that I um, believe in is, as long we, as long as we, uh, as long as those uh, smart brains uh, are together and think about 
that one problem for long enough. Uh, and then there is always uh, like a way to get through. And one, you know, that those things are never easy. Like other people can try uh, something, but if like uh, it's very rare that somebody or some company are still focused uh, for six to ten years in that single problem, it's a very rare thing. So that's what I want to leave. Like we, as long as we try and continue, then. Uh, there will there will be a day when we feel proud of uh, our achievement and look back and think that we are wow we are already here. I you know every day was like small step, uh, but after a while, then we know that it's uh, it was quite big. Yeah, that's right. Well, thank you, Sung, for sharing your story, and thank you, everyone, for participating. <laughs> to the bar. How Music Charts is written and produced by Jason Hoven and Rutger Rosenborg of Chartmetric. As part of our effort to equip artists with the power of music analytics, we've just rolled out a new artist tier, which you can sign up for at app.chartmetric.com slash plan slash artist for about the price of a coffee per week. Free Chartmetric accounts are available at chartmetric.com and podcast notes are at blog.chartmetric.com. You can also subscribe there for additional insights delivered to your inbox right after we publish. Did we mention we have a YouTube channel? That's right, subscribe for Chartmetric tutorials and tips for indie artists. Follow our thoughts on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, all at Chartmetric. That's Chartmetric, no S. That's it. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.